Hello Church, what's happening? It's great to be able to carry on the series on the Holy Spirit today. We've been looking in the last few weeks at what it means to be Spirit-filled. And last week, Andy just did a brilliant job at introducing us to what's called the gifts of the Spirit from Paul's letter to the Corinthians. And really explained and showed us from the letter again how each one of us has a gift. It's not for the special few, it's not for the, the, the holy anointed ones, that each one of us, we are all members of the body of Christ. Christ is the head of the church. We are all members of the body and we all have a part to play and we've all got gifts. And so what we're going to do over the next two weeks is just hone in and follow Paul uh, into the next couple of chapters of, of that, where in, in chapter 14, he, he picks up on two of the gifts of the Spirit, two of the ones that um, are very well known amongst us, you know, prophecy and tongues. And so we're going to spend the next two weeks. I'm going to today be in 1 Corinthians 14, looking at <clears throat> what Paul teaches us about, <clears throat> pardon me, the gift of prophecy. And then next week, Andrew Wilson is going to look at uh, the gift of tongues and kind of what Paul teaches about that. And so I'm going to read through uh, a bit of 1 Corinthians 14. I'm going to skip some verses where it explicitly talks about tongues and how that's used and administered, because like I said Andrew will, will do that next week. Why don't you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 14 with me? I'm going to read the first five verses of the chapter, then I'm going to skip down to verse 26 and read from there. So this is Paul. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies he speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in the tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. And skipping down to verse 26. What then, brothers? When you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. If any speak in a tongue, let there only be two, or at most three, and each in turn, and let someone interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in church and speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak, and let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one, so that all may learn and all be encouraged, and the spirits of prophets are subject to prophets. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. This is the word of God. Paul begins this section of his letter uh, saying a couple of things. And, and the first thing he says is, is pursue love. And another helpful reminder, in fact, the whole of Corinthians chapter 13 talks about love. That The spiritual gifts are, are done in pursuit of loving one another. That the chief aim, the chief motivation for us prophesying, speaking in tongues, healing, doing all these things is love. That, that, that's kind of the thing. We're not really pursuing first and foremost truth or, or pursuing first and foremost knowledge or understand. No, we're pursuing love. 
Which is why in the chapter before, Paul literally ends it by saying, you could speak in the tongues of angels. <laughs> you could be, you could have all of the gifts of the spirit, but if you haven't got love, you're like a clanging symbol. There's, there's nothing there. This is the, it's the foundation. It's the umbrella. It's, it's kind of, it's all to do about pursuing love with one another. And so Paul saying that is going to be our, our motivation. We should act in love. And then it, uh, straight away after that, he says, and, and then earnestly desire the spiritual gifts especially prophecy. And there's, there's, there's a, there should be a desire in us as believers, a longing, a hunger for more of the Spirit. There's a, there's a I, I, I want more of you, I, I desire it. And I ask you are, you, are you hungry for more of the Spirit? Do you earnestly desire spiritual gifts? That's Paul's exhortation to us. He saying, desire it, especially that you may prophesy. He, he tells each one, in fact, in verse 5, as you keep on reading through this, these first few verses, he literally says, I want all of you to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. So you see there's an expectation here on Paul that, that this is for everybody. This is not just for the, the special ones, as Andy said last week, or for the pastors, or for these people that are, that are really, really gifted. No, there's an expectation on all of us. This is not a spectator sport. He said, I want all of you to have this. I want all of you to desire this gift. I want all of you to, to be able to, to prophesy. And so I thought I would just pause there and we would just go back to, well, what then is prophecy? I'm sure many of us have uh, kind of grown up different church traditions or no church tradition at all or, and kind of maybe got different ideas about what prophecy is. Well, why don't I begin by saying what prophecy isn't? And sometimes going to help. Prophecy, um, well, it certainly isn't infallible. But by infallible, I mean it can't be wrong. It's kind of, you know, some people say it's, it's incapable of being wrong. Like the Bible, for example, there would be prophecy where God would reveal things to people and they would write it down and we've got the Bible. That sort of prophecy doesn't exist anymore. And by that I mean we're not going to get any more books of the Bible that are infallible, they're the ultimate authority, uh, you know, they're complete truth, the scriptures. That sort of prophecy doesn't exist. No one's going to write another book of the, uh, Andrew, however smart he is. No one's, you know, and, and if they do, it would be heresy. It'd be wrong because that type of prophecy, inerrant, uh, just kind of infallible, perfect from the Lord, written down, doesn't exist. The prophecy that, that we have today, I find Wayne Grudem, he's a, an American theologian. I find his definition very, very helpful. And I've written it down in here where he literally says, it is human report of a divine revelation. Prophecy is, is, is us as humans reporting divine revelation. In other words, uh, we God uh, reveals things to us. It could be an impression. It could be a scripture. It could be uh, through dreams. It can be through visions. It can be through pictures or words or, or just kind of in our spirit. We get things that are revealed to us by, like, you know, as a revelation and, and the human delivers it. Uh, there's another uh, quote, a theological Michael Green, uh, who says this, uh, prophecy is a word from the Lord through a member of his body, inspired by his spirit and given to build up the body. And that we are the body of Christ. 
I said, Jesus is the head and we are, we are the body of Christ. We are his, we're his church. All that we do is for him, to serve him, to honour him uh, and to be upbuilded. And, and, and he says that we, as the body, we receive divine revelation. Heard someone else refer to it. We're like, um, you know, we're like a postman. We don't write the message, but we deliver the message. God gives you a message and you deliver it. And so Paul's saying every believer is capable of that. Every believer has relationship with God, can hear from God, can receive revelation from God, and then can give the report without revelation. Now, I remember when I was, um, I was about 21, I was doing an internship at the church, and at the time I was um, having a meal at Phil and Sarah Varley's house. You obviously remember Phil and Sarah have gone off to Rotterdam. And uh, at the time, Steve Nicholson, who's a friend of the church, pastor from Vineyard, was spending the evening with us. Uh, and, and he'd said, uh, in fact, it was some of the, the Phil and Sarah's kids who was having a conversation about prophecy. And, and he said to the kids, I remember so vividly, God is speaking to you far more than you realise. God is, is often speaking to us, bringing things to us, giving us just revelation, a, a whole range of ways. And, and it's our job, Paul's saying, is, is to deliver that, to, to be obedient to that, to have prophecy. And so that's what the gift of prophecy is. Unfortunately, like a lot of gifts in the church, like a lot of things in the church, there's been times when it's been abused, misused. And that can cause some of us to become very sceptical or fearful of prophecy. In fact, to say, I don't I want to do away with it because it's been done badly. It's been used maybe for, for, you know, we've just seen some wacky and weird things in churches or it's been used for manipulation and control and power. But let me just encourage us. We, we'd be wrong just to throw it out like that. Maybe use teaching as another example, a gift that Paul talks about in, in 1 Corinthians 12. Teaching has been horribly misused and abused over generations. You've only got to turn on God TV or spend long enough on YouTube that you find some just awful Bible teaching, completely just done, uh, you know, in, 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 in a very bad way. But there's none of us that would then be saying, you know what, let's just get rid of it. No, we do the very opposite. We need to then try and devote ourselves to good Bible teaching. We try and do that here. I'm not saying that Bible teaching is perfect, but we come under the authority of Scripture and say, no, we must try and use the gift of teaching well that glorifies God, that, that, that stands on the foundation of Scriptures. The, 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 the way that you correct abuse is, is not by throwing it out or amusing it. It's actually it's trying to go for proper use of the gift. And it's the same with prophecy. Paul's exhortation here isn't, you know what, just do away with it because it's been done badly. So, no, earnestly desire it and seek it, that it should be done in the right way. Elsewhere in Scripture, in, in 1 Thessalonians, quite famously, uh, Paul, in, in chapter 5 of that letter, tells people, he says, don't quench the spirit, don't despise prophecies, but seek out what is good. And so there's an exhortation to us, whatever our background or experiences of prophecy, to say, no, I want to I seek out prophecy in the right way. And so the first thing we're saying about prophecy is, is to be desired. Prophecy is to be desired by all of us. And I think if, if, if we do that, that's the first thing we say, desire the spiritual gifts. The second thing that we'll say about prophecy, as well as to be something that's desired, uh, Paul gives us some indications in this chapter about what is to be used for. And the first thing he says is, is to be used to build up. If we read in, in verse 3 together of chapter 14. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding, their encouragement and their consolation. What is prophecy for? It is to be built up. In fact, Paul says it 
I think it's like nearly seven times about this being built up and to be edified. He says it in verse three, he says it in verse four, he says it in verse five, in verse 12, in verse seven, in verse 25. The lot of it is that prophecy is to, to build one another up, to encourage one another, to comfort one another. Lots of the prophecies that we've maybe received over years, uh, even for me as an individual, has not kind of been this grand thing, but it's actually just been an encouragement to keep us going along in our journey with Christ. And so I would encourage us to be a people that, that do that, that, that desire that, that look for that, that long for it. Because, uh, and so Paul says that here. And so as well as that, as well as kind of to build up, to, to kind of encourage, you do also get an element of prophecy that is about direction. You see it in scripture, if, if, if you read the book of Acts, you see there's times where a prophetic world will come and it actually causes someone to change direction. So Paul in Acts 16, uh, they're deciding where to go with the gospel next. They think they might go to Ephesus and he receives a vision of, of a Macedonian man. And so he goes to the team and he says, I've received this vision and I think the Lord is leading us to Macedonia. And they do, they, they, and so they, they, they go, yeah, actually that's what we think we're doing. And so they go off. You can receive direction. I've personally received moments in my life where there's been real kind of God has spoken to me perfectly and it's really changed direction. The biggest one is actually how I became a pastor at King's. Maybe you don't know the story. I was an English teacher, secondary school English teacher and loved my job, loved teaching, loved the school I was in, brilliant head teacher, great department, loved my form group. And Steve Tibbet approached me and, and said, would I come and join the team and come over to the Downham site? I always knew, you know, I'd always known that I'd had a kind of a call to full-time ministry, but thought that it might be a bit later down the line. And so this was a bit of a curveball. In fact, it was a week before I was proposing to Sylvia. So uh, it was, there was a lot going on at that time. So we'd got engaged and then we had to take a decision where we just had to take time to pray. Steve encouraged us to take some time to pray, consider. And I was going back and forth, back and forth, because on one day I was thinking, yeah, I'll come and do this. But on other days I was thinking, no, I love, this. I love school, I love teaching. Uh, I feel this is ministry here, and it was. And, and I was making an impact, a difference. And so I was going back and forth, and I'd go back to Steve, you know, it's about three months later, I haven't decided yet. I was going on these long walks, trying to pray, God, tell me what to do. But just couldn't, you know, I just couldn't come to a decision. And then one day, uh, me and Sylvia popped into the Sainsbury's in Lee, you know it, the big one by the Lee site. And um, we bumped into a bloke from the church, Paul Cowan, he's at the Downham site, who worked there, he's in the bakery section. And we just got chatting, uh, just a bit of small talk initially. And, and him and his, his wife, uh, Claire, they'd recently moved to the Downham site not long before. Uh, and he just turned around in a conversation out of the blue and said to me, so Joe, at the time, just for context, me and Sylvia were at our lease site. We were, we were worshiping there, we got married there, we'd been there for years. So he just turns around to me and he says, so Joe, when are you moving to Downham? And it's one of those moments where you try and keep a poker face. I mean, who's, who's he been talking? He'd been talking to Steve? Or, I mean, he obviously had no idea the conversations that had been going on. And so I was like, I'd sort of played it cool. I said, ah, you know, Paul, in God's timing. And, and, and he looked at me and he just said, no, you know what? For God would say, sometimes, you just got to take a step of faith. He was like, me and Claire, we're moving to the Philippines next month. They went on a short-term mission trip a year or so ago and served in the Philippines. And it was, I guess I was trying to keep a poker face, but you're thinking, we're just, you know, I'm about to buy a half loaf in the bakery section at Sainsbury. Suddenly, Paul, he's at work. He doesn't even fully know what, what he's saying in terms of how God is using him. And we get back in the car, me and Silver, and I think God is speaking to us. I think we need to take a step of faith. Uh, here, here we are today. 
And so I'm sure there's others of us that have had words like that where in real directional words, God uses a whole range of things to speak to you in the prophetic, to bring you revelation through human report, uh, and, 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 and you do it. And so there's that. But, but like I said, most of it, I believe, the way that we operate, usually it's just encouragements along the way. It's building up along the way. It's comfort along the way that God would want to remind us time and time again, I see you, I know you, I love you, I'm for you, that the father heart of God, that he he cares about us, that he loves us. And so he wants to communicate and speak to us. And and the way that he chooses to do that is he chooses to use us. He doesn't doesn't need to do that, but he chooses to use us, that we would build one another up, that we would be family together, that we'd be members of a body. And it's beautiful and glorious when done in that context and in that way. And so he's used to, to build up and to encourage and to exhort one another. And I'll just say this, because it says it in the, in, in the verse earlier. When it comes to prophecy in chapter 13, it's one thing that's worth always bearing in mind. Paul says this, chapter 13, verse 9, for we know in part and we prophesy in part. As soon as humans get involved in revealing divine revelations, there's mistakes that happen. Because we're human, we make mistakes. Which is why we always encourage people, when you're going to bring someone a prophecy, we, we do it in a cautious. We, we don't, as the way they would have said in the Old Testament, you know, thus saith the Lord. You know, go up to someone on a Sunday morning and say, thus says the Lord, this is what's going to happen. Usually we'd go and we'd say to someone, listen, I've got a sense that God is saying this. I, I feel like I've heard God and, you know, and this is what I think he's saying. One of the you know, men at the Downham site, Martin Porter, uh, Martin's got a prophetic gift, he hears from the Lord. And, but even sometimes often Martin will come up to me and he'll say, uh, Joe, this is, I feel like this is part Martin, part God. You know, you've got to work out which is which. It's his way of saying, uh, this, I think this is from God, but I'm not quite sure. This could just be me. This could just be something I've thought of, but I'm, I'm going to share it with you anyway. And, and, and it's a way of just kind of saying, yeah, this is for you to go away and, and weigh it. And, and I'll talk about that in a moment. Because the way that we handle prophecy, we want to do it with care and, and, and with kindness. We don't put people under pressure. We say, I think God's saying this. Because just on that note, actually, sadly, sometimes prophecy has actually been abused. The gift of prophecy has done quite a lot of damage in the name of God. Which is why we have to be careful. And we'll even say, just as an aside, there's certain topics I think are best to avoid when it comes to prophecy. Some have, have said the kind of hatch, match, dispatch, which is... Um, you know, when it comes to babies and, and, and pregnancies, it's it best to avoid such things. It can be very sensitive, very difficult for people. You don't know what they're walking through, what they're experiencing. And so someone comes and says, oh, but, you know, God's told me that you're going to have a child on such and such a date or that your child's going to be this or that. Yeah, that can actually be very harmful for a lot of people. I mean, and it goes without saying, if, if, if someone's going to have a baby, they'll, they'll soon know about it themselves. God doesn't need you to come and tell them. They'll, they'll find out. And, and, and so be very, very careful with, with, with that because uh, we, we don't want to do damage really to people that are walking through some difficult things, particularly in our church family. The other thing would be matching. Uh, you know, God told me that you're going to marry so-and-so. Even worse, a few blokes try this one. God told me you're going to marry me. You know, you think, <laughs> it's, a, it's not the best pickup line. And I, I think we have to be very, very cautious. Probably not quite as cautious as we would about, um, you know, babies and new life. Andy shared a story last week how sometimes you do get a bit of a revelation like that. And in fact, even my wife, Sylvia, her sister, before we were going out, had a, had a kind of this prophetic dream of, of me, um, in her flat. 
and kind of with Sylvia and look around and she shared it with Sylvia. And uh, I mean, not long after, me and Sylvia started going out and Sylvia then moved in with her sister in the flat and that kind of dream actually did, did happen. And so it's not to say that you can never do that, but if you were, do so, be very sensitive. Because again, it could be a raw subject for people and it's always best to do it out of real good relationship. And if you haven't got that relationship in the presence and the witnesses of others and done sensitively. And the other thing would be about, uh, you know, what people say dispatch to, to prophesy about people dying or their loved ones dying. That is not edifying. It is not building up. It is not encouraging. We don't want to be doing it. It's not something that we want to be doing in our church. And so there's, there's, there's things to avoid because in the end, we, we want it to, to build people up, to encourage people, to stir people up. And that's Paul's aim when it says in, in when it comes to uh, prophecy. And that helps us with the next point because it kind of is to be desired, is to build up. But as well as that, Paul then gives clear instruction in the next few verses we're going to read that it's to be tested, it's to be weighed. And when someone gives you a prophecy, he says you, you to weigh it up. We prophesy in part, we know in part, so you have to weigh it. Let me just read these verses. He says, when we come together, verse 26, each one is a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. If any speak in a tongue, let it be two or three at most, each in turn. But if there is no one to interpret, let each keep silent. Verse 29, let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh what is said. Paul is saying in churches there's to be control. It's not a free fall. It's not, it's not pandemonium, 45 people, everyone just come and share. There's two or three. And after someone's done it, let's take time to pray, to weigh up what is being said. How can we respond to it? What should we do? Often the way this works is that people will receive, there'll be a revelation. Someone receives a revelation from God and then there needs to be an element of interpretation. Okay, what does this really mean? You know, what, what, what? okay, someone's, and it's not always the same person. Someone might just bring a revelation. Often a prophet will bring, I feel God is saying this. Others say, okay, what does that mean? And, and then you apply it. Revelation, interpretation, application. You, you interpret it, what's going on, and how do we apply it to our lives? And so we go through that message, that, that, that kind of process. But one of the things that I, I think will be helpful for us to do is, how do we weigh a prophecy? What are some of the tools that we could have to, maybe you've received a prophetic word, maybe a prophetic word comes to the church. How do you weigh a prophecy and even a, pro a prophet? Because there might, there, I know there's prophetic ministries all over the place now. How do you weigh what is good? What is what, The Bible talks a lot about false prophets. Well, I think there's three things, three M's that I think will help us. The first thing when it comes to a prophecy that's been received or shared or you hear whether in a church, outside the church, is uh, the messenger. You have to take note who the messenger is. Are they godly? Are they someone who loves the Lord? Is there fruit of the Spirit in their life? Are they, you know, or are they someone that's clearly in unrepentant sin and, and not bearing any fruit? You have to take that into, into consideration. Are they someone who's known to us? If someone just bowled into our church, walked straight down the front to one of our pastors, says, I've got a prophetic word, I'm going to share it with the church, and you've got no idea who they are, we're not going to do that. We don't trust them, we don't know them. Because the messenger of the, of the word is important. Because it, you know, it gives integrity to the word that's being said. And so pay attention to the messenger. You know, are they someone who's willing to come under authority? Are they someone who's, who's, who's kind of a, a, in part of the community? So the messenger is important. What's also important is, of course, the actual message themselves. <laughs> is it in line with scripture? If it is contrary to what the Bible teaches, we throw it out. This is the ultimate authority. It can't be against this. Is it 
building and edifying? Or is it actually belittling someone's faith or tearing down someone's faith? If it does that, we're throwing it out. Prophecy is for building up, for encouragement, for comfort. Is it about a specific date? You know, people say Jesus is coming on this date, on this month, on this year, or this person's going to win this election, or this is going to happen on this day, and that day comes and passes. You know, it's a false prophecy then. It hasn't come, you're trying to do, it's very predictive. You cast it out. And so the message is important. And finally, the motive. Is the motive about themselves, their own profit, their own popularity? Are they trying to, you know, sometimes you get profits on the outside, they're, they're saying things, they're doing things, that in the end it's about themselves. What's the, what's the motivation? Because it's the motivation that allows us to be gracious for people when they get it wrong. Someone gets up, they come and bring you a prophetic word and you think, mm, that's not really sitting with me. Well, we're gracious. Their motive was pure. They were doing, they were loving, gracious, trying to serve and support. And so we've got the messenger, the message, and the motive can weigh up these prophecies. Can weigh up, is this something that's coming, you know, from the Lord? Or is it, you know, is this kind of something that we want to weigh and, and, and apply? Or is it something, actually, no, we just need to leave that one. And so we see there's a, there's a desire, there's, there's to be built up and it's to be weighed. And finally, just as we close, uh, just some real practical things. Because Paul then sort of ends actually chapter 14 again by saying, please earnestly desire prophecy, desire it. And so I just want to say three R's that will help us when it comes to how we kind of outwork it. This is, this is not reach, restore, resource, another set of R's for us. And in fact, I've heard Steve talk about before. Just three things practically that will help us because we don't just want to be a theory church. We don't want to be one of the, oh yeah, we know all the theory, we've got all the teaching, we, we've learned it all, yeah, I know this and this. No, we want to actually do it. We want to prophesy. And the way we do that, just three quick hours as we close. The first is responsibility. We've got to take responsibility. You've got to desire it. Ask the Holy Spirit, Spirit for more of it. Put yourself in environments where you can listen and hear from God, where you're in his word. There's, there's, we say, I'm going to take responsibility for growing in my spiritual gifts. It's a gift that God gives us, but we want to own it and live it out and take responsibility, take some ownership. The second R would be take a risk. You've got to be bold. You think God's given you something? Can be very oh, no, I won't share it. Be bold. Step out. Have courage. If maybe sharing it with a whole church might be daunting, don't start there. Just start off with having a prophetic word for an individual, for a friend, or for your small group. You can start small and you can grow in the gift of prophecy. But in order to do it, you've got to take a risk. What's the worst that can happen? You might get it wrong, it'd be a little embarrassing. Doesn't matter. God loves it when we're a courageous people. And so the second idea is, is, is take a risk. Go for it. Rather, you know, rather than wondering, oh, maybe it was or maybe it wasn't, just go for it. And even today, there's an opportunity to go for it. And, and, and the third R uh, for us in that would be relationship. That all of prophecy, it comes out of firstly relationship with the Lord. We want to be in his presence. We want to be listening to him, hearing from him, worshipping him, being in relationship with him. And the second thing is it comes out of relationship with one another. When we're in relationship with one another, it enables us, it helps us to actually feel like we can take the risk. We're family here. Just getting up in front of the family, sharing what you think God is saying. You get it wrong, no big deal. We're family, we do it out of relationship. And so we, and so we actually have a go at really doing it. Friends, as I close, I say this to us as a church, let's be open, let's be active. We need prophetic words to direct us, to guide us, to help us. And we wanna be a people that earnestly desire the gifts. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the gift of prophecy. Lord, and I pray will you help us to be a people that don't just have the theory, but we want to grow in our gift of prophecy. And so I say, will you come, fresh wind, 
Holy Spirit, fall upon us afresh that we may grow in the gift. Help us as a church to have that desire to pursue it. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.